0: Oh, 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 well, 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 welcome to another episode of the In Search SEO Podcast, where we dispense more SEO insights than McDonald's gives out heart attacks. Today is a special day as we have the one, the only, Cindy Crum for you talking about entities on the SERP and what mobile-first indexing really is all about, plus... Fraggles. What's a fraggle? Wait and you shall see. I am your host, Morty Oberstein, and I am not joined by the brilliantly brilliant, the vivaciously vivacious Kim Ragones because she's sick. So feel better, Kim. Sorry you weren't here. I'm going to miss you the most, actually. Actually, the fans might miss you the most because now they listen to just me all day long, rambling, rambling, rambling with no one here to keep me in check. And that is scary. Don't forget the In Search SEO podcast comes out every week. Every Tuesday, you can find it on the Rank Ranger blog. You can find it on SoundCloud. You can find it on Stitcher and on Spotify and on iTunes, where we hope you will subscribe. Do it. Subscribe. Come on, please. i got to keep my job. No, I'm just joking. Please subscribe. We really appreciate it. We would love you if you did. We love you if you don't, but please subscribe on iTunes. Anyway, Kim is not here, but I am super stoked anyway because I sat down and talked some serious SEO theory with Cindy Crumb. It's actually the most fun I've had Doing an interview, by the way. And by the way, not all interviews are equally fun by a long shot. And this one was great. We discussed some really deep SEO theory regarding um, mobile first indexing as really entity first indexing, a whole new way of dealing with search results. And if you like going deep, well, this one goes for the end zone. What's an end zone for you, non American football fans? That's the place where you score. You get your, for you soccer or uh, football fans, it's where you get a goal. Anyway. Before we go into dealing with the the wider world of entity-first indexing, and before we go down the rabbit hole of SEO abstractions, let's talk PLAs as we go in-house. So we recently released a study showing how consistent, or rather how inconsistent, depending upon how you look at it, the display level of some of the most important surfaces features were in 2018 as compared to 2017. We found that while Google Ads were highly, highly um, volatile and with inconsistent display levels, PLAs were the exact opposite. That is, they were entirely stable. So just to put some teeth on this, Google Ads had a standard deviation of around 14 on mobile while PLAs had a standard deviation of 2. 14 to 2. So of course, you'll say this makes sense. okay? Um, The ad type, being PLAs, is far more consistent because the keywords they target are more consistent. Google's always going to show me a variety of products that I can buy no matter what for the keywords, whereas Google ads relate to any sort of keyword with any sort of ad applicability, and that is true. But that's only one way to look at it. Google can decide at any moment that any number of products should get a PLA, and it can decide the exact opposite. It can experiment what keywords work for PLAs, what don't, what should we change, let's change this, let's see this. But as the data shows, Google doesn't really do that. And the question is, why? Google loves to experiment. So why doesn't it experiment with PLAs? And my answer is, bum, 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 Amazon. Like, you had no idea I was going to say that. Google ads are, are, are for all sorts of advertisers trying to target all sorts of users. Whereas PLAs, in my humble opinion, it's all about Google targeting one, quote, unquote, person. Amazon. Okay, so I want you to guess, how, you in the audience, out there. since Kim is not here today, I have no one to talk to. I'm talking to you, which I'm almost really talking to you. But how much do you think, how much of Amazon's traffic do you think comes from Google, comes from search? I mean, obviously, the data says search, so that could include Bing, but you're all laughing at that notion as much, just as much as I am. So guess, how much traffic comes from Google, comes from search? How much of Amazon's traffic? Who out there said 30%? You are so right, brilliant, 30%. And that's actually a ton, considering that you probably do what I do. And that's go straight to Amazon. Do not go to Google. Do not collect $200. So this is where the 30% comes from. It's coming from, most likely, from people researching a product. Because if you know what you're going to buy, you're just going to go to Amazon and buy it. Let's be honest. But if you're researching a product, you might go to search first. So Amazon will show up, right? You research whatever product you want to research, Amazon, you bet, will be there in the top result or the the second result at, at minimum. If not the first, like seven results will all be Amazon. Google, in this case, is a bit of the opposite. In other words, Amazon can bank on a lot of people coming to its site to access a Prime account and to go crazy and to go shopping. But Google is dealing with an audience that may not really be intent on coming to the SERP to find a product inside of a PLA. I mean, how many of you go to the SERP just to find a PLA? Okay, so these users may see, There's a, a, the user who is researching a product may see Amazon show up in the organic results and say, hey, Amazon, I know them, and head over to Amazon. And that's where 30% of Amazon's traffic comes from, and that's despite all of Google's best efforts, despite all the PLAs and all the other SERP features, like the, the that rich, powerful product knowledge panel, 30%. Amazon's traffic is still coming from search. Okay, so I'm sure that really doesn't make Google happy. It could make them even hot under the collar a little bit, which is why PLAs are stable. How stable? They're as stable as Amazon's ranking. Okay, that's the equation in my mind. If Amazon's rankings are stable, PLAs are stable. If Amazon's rankings start to fluctuate a bit, PLAs will fluctuate a little bit. I would love to see some data on that. Uh, I mean, there really is none because Amazon's really consistent, but you could go micro and see, okay, when Amazon does go a little dip a little bit, do the PLAs also dip a little bit? Because in my mind, PLAs are targeting Amazon. So if Amazon's gone, PLAs might show up a little bit less. Obviously not. Why wouldn't they show PLAs? Because it makes sense to show the PLAs without Amazon. But my point is that Google's really targeting Amazon with those PLAs and trying to siphon away that 30% of Amazon's traffic that comes through Google. Okay, so I know you've been sitting on the edge of your seats waiting for Cindy Crumb's amazing insights and wondering why this Morty fellow is not shutting up yet. Maybe you don't get it at this point if you're a, a seasoned listener to the In Search SEO podcast. I can't stop talking. It's a disease, which is why I have someone here like Kim to stop me, and there's no one here to stop me today, so let's go crazy. No, I won't do it to you. It's enough. I hear Kim in my mind saying, Morty, cut it out, and let's get to the interview. So... Ahem. Let's get to Cindy Crum as we go into entity-first indexing. Cut one. Okay, SEO fans, I have a really special treat for you here. Joining me in just a few short seconds is one of my favorite people in the world of SEO. You may have seen her on Surgeon Land at Brighton SEO and one of a million other publications and or events. She is the founder and CEO of Mobile Moxie. She is the wonderful Cindy Crum. Thanks for coming on. Hi, thanks. <laughs> so, uh, I guess before we get started, could you just tell us a little bit about Mobile Moxie and what did you guys do?
1: Sure, so we are a small consultancy helping um, companies deal with mobile issues, uh, especially focusing on mobile SEO and app SEO. Uh, what I've been explaining to people recently is for many years we've actually been the SEOs for SEOs. We don't have any clients that don't have internal SEO teams. They come to us when they have uh, problems.
0: So like the so, experts for the experts.
1: <laughs> we try to be, yeah. And then, uh, then we also have a set of mobile SEO tools uh, that do, uh, this. the coolest part is the ability to test mobile search results in any location in the world, in any language in the world. Uh, we, we have an emulator that, it's actually not an emulator because that means fake, or like simulator, it's not a simulator because it's <laughs> fake. Uh, ours is real, Google thinks we're phones.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's very cool, actually. Okay, so let's get into some serious SEO theory. Um, I love this kind of stuff. It's, it's deep and rich SEO thought. It's kind of one of my pet peeves in the industry that we don't get into the theory as much as we do tips. But, okay, that aside, here on the SEO, the InSearch SEO podcast, we're here to help be part of the solution. So, you have this amazing theory that I love about the mobile first index really being about entities, being an entity first index of, of sorts. Um, and I hate yeah. to do this to you, but Standing on one foot, just to catch everybody up in case they have not read the series of, I think it's five articles, um, yeah. right? So, because catch us up. What
1: is the theory about? Sure. So, number one, uh, people should read the articles. And even if they can't read them, all of the articles have a TLDR, a video, TLDR, like a video summary. And they have audio that you can play the whole article so you don't have to read. Um, uh, so, I've done everything <laughs> to make <laughs> information, Uh, and and now I'm on podcasts. So the idea is um, mobile-first indexing, the reason the word indexing is in there is because it's reorganization of the way Google thinks, or the way it organizes its index, its information. And uh, if it wasn't that, they would just call it mobile-first crawling. And Google's been changing the user agent of the crawler for years, by the way. It didn't have a title, it didn't have an announcement, and it wasn't called indexing. so, this change, I think, is more fundamental, and I think at its core is designed to help Google use artificial intelligence in every language together and aggregate more information faster, uh, especially for smaller languages where they've always struggled because they had less machine learning input to teach the algorithm what was good and what was bad. Uh, so, in English, we're Inoculated to this we don't notice where the algorithm fails because we have a huge language and a huge base of In smaller languages, the algorithm isn't as good. They're not as good at picking up spam stuff like that So instead of just like I don't know what they're saying. They're doing now Essentially, they're saying we're crawling with a mobile crawler, but we still have your desktop stuff and Nothing to see here <laughs> um, But, but it took them two years to accomplish that that's ridiculous if that's all they're doing it shouldn't have taken two years and that doesn't help them with any of their larger goals so if if you imagine the world the way i see it um google used to be using keywords and languages as the primary thing um, in a query primary indexing or, or primary uh thing that they latch on to now i say that in my theory they've backed that up a notch and they use entities and keywords describe entities and you can have an entity that exists in every language and the keywords all describe it they're they're more modifiers of the entity rather than the primary so entity is primary keyword is secondary modifier um, that way you can use machine learning on the entity and entity relationships And when keywords and languages are only a modifier, you can learn and advance the algorithm uh, around the world uh, at the same rate and the same level of precision, uh, rather than uh, having smaller languages like Bulgarian kind of struggle because they're they're lacking machine learning input. When entity is the base, they have the same machine learning input as everything because we have the same entities.
0: That's really brilliant, by the way. And, of course, it makes a ton of sense. Why wouldn't Google do that? Why wouldn't it leverage the data that it's collecting on, say, a major language like English and so, English and so forth for the smaller languages? It only, it only makes sense. Right. By the way, the SERP feature but for data.
1: But they've been learning the languages independently, going into a language as if they knew nothing. Right. They didn't know that table is related to chair and they often occur together, right? Oh, we don't, maybe that's not how it works in this country. <laughs>
0: That's an interesting thought. Okay, so I have a problem with this topic, is that I, I get too philosophical with it because you're dealing with entities, dealing with language, dealing with how humans understand um, everything, knowledge. So if I get too philosophical, you can you can cut me off. I'll
1: be so amused because be- <laughs> you, you can't outdo me on this one. That, I think. That's
0: probably true. That's probably true. I'm trying to impress you. <laughs> okay, so. It almost seems from all of this that Google has a, a almost a qualitative understanding of, of the entities that it's dealing with, um, or I would say rather that it's touching on a qualitative understanding because it can't actually do that. Um, uh, if you want to call it a more ethereal understanding of an entity, so I it, call
1: can- it a relational understanding of the entity where the okay. entity within other entities vertically and laterally
0: that's that's a much better way of expressing it than ethereal yeah okay so ba- based on your understanding of entity indexing so has google made true headway using ai to be able to approach what seems like or mimics a qualitative understanding of an entity a- and if it has what does that mean for for search going forward
1: yeah absolutely so this is really interesting so um What you have to understand is um, Google is translating knowledge graph uh, to fit the user's preferred language, regardless of what language the query is in, or what country the person is in, or any of those other factors. If there's a specific language setting, Google will show knowledge graph in that language. So that points at, like that kind of illustrates what we're saying, that knowledge graph is kind of universal. But when they do that, Uh, that doesn't mean that if I search for this, uh, query in from, that's more relevant in Spain to the Spanish culture, and I search for the same query, um, in Germany, that doesn't mean that the ranking will be the same or that even the knowledge graph will show. Right. Um, so we did, let's see, I'm trying to think of a great example. We did a couple, um... Kind of to tease this out, we first tested Google's understanding of idioms. Um, so the quali- cause you're saying qualitative understanding, are they just translating word for word or are they understanding the words together as a group?
0: Right. And that would definitely so show don't... you that.
1: Right. Right. And so idioms, when you translate them word for word, uh, or idioms, even untranslated make no sense, unless you know, the, the voted meaning of the phrase. So translated, if it's not an idiom that occurs in the other language, it's absolutely meaningless. And so we we did queries uh, that showed that when essentially when Google when a language is part of the Cloud Natural Language API, which there's ten or eleven languages uh, that are in there, Google um, usually can tell uh, when it's an idiom and not in their translate API, not even in a query, just before it passes to the understanding, they translate, like put yourself in my shoes is an idiom. Like, I don't actually want you to touch my shoes. I'm <laughs> saying, put yourself in my place. Right. And so when we put that through Google translate, if they understand the language natively, they'll translate that idiom to put yourself in my place. Right, right. Jugar, I think I'm probably pronouncing it right, but if they understand it incorrectly, like in Spanish, it would be they'll translate it to zapatos, shoes.
0: Right, right, okay.
1: Okay, um, and so we, we played a bunch with that to see when are they understanding the language and the meaning of the language versus not. Right. Similarly, we did stuff with when there are movies and um, movies and songs and things like that, like media references that have the same name, but are more culturally relevant one place than another, and tested those things.
0: So the see, movie results so, will come back differently, depending upon the the um, the market?
1: The location. Right. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Very interesting. Right.
1: Uh, so, so those knowledge graph items, they still exist. In the knowledge graph, they're just not in the top ranking because of that time, geography, and the uh, GPS location of
0: your phone. Wow. Okay. So on the flip side, what are the limitations of this? of oh, so let me let me rephrase that or go into that a little bit. So I have a friend. And he's a very peculiar guy. He has a PhD in linguistics from from Columbia, and he has this whole he has a whole rant. He has a whole thing about how language is a it's a it's a broken tool that we use to express the inexpressible, right? So one of the main things that that helps people communicate is experience, right? So okay, being apropos apropos to the time, so the Super Bowl. So I'm a big Steelers fan. We had a terrible, terrible season, a very disappointing season. And when I moan about it with my uncle, the language that we use is, is based upon the shared experience that we have. So if you were to jump into that conversation knowing nothing about football, you would understand the words, but you wouldn't really understand the conversation because you didn't share that experience. Google can't share an experience, so how does it bridge that gap?
1: Media. So Google's doubling down on media, all kinds of it, um, but especially video, podcasts. And images, right? Have you heard Gary Ish talking all about how important alt tags are? Right. Like, welcome back to nineteen ninety-five. <laughs> I mean, I, I still do alt tags. So I just didn't think we needed to talk about I, it anymore. I, I've always
0: done them. Like, okay, great. It's an alt tag. It's not exactly like rocket science. It's it's helpful if somebody doesn't know how to doesn't have, if someone can't see. So we should put it there anyway.
1: Um, but but that's it. So the the visual, uh, the auditory. Uh, the experiential stuff is, is least, uh, least like quality coming in text only. Higher quality comes from video and audio. And so I think Google's trying harder to index and rank that content. And remember that content is especially good for voice only assets, whereas text is especially bad. So they're trying to do that. The other thing is you can reverse the question and you might pose this to your friend. If you needed to do an experiential search to try and like help someone understand, how would you do that? And Google's trying to do that as well because they're trying to be able to do image matching so you can submit an image and match it. Um, I think that they're doing the same thing with audio. um, I did not hear that. That's cool. Stuff like that. But, but but they also use this question as a, um, an explainer in a, a discussion that they wrote. I think it was part of Google Think um, about entities. And they said, listen, or someone wrote about this example. They said, listen, I can show you a picture of a train, and you know it's a train. I can show you the word train, and you know it's a train. I can play audio for you and you know it's a train, but there are lots of different kinds of trains, right? And so it's plausible that we could even be someday better able to do the experiential searches. And that gets us closer to this like AR thing. How are you gonna surface AR? Right. If I said, you know, I wanna be in a beach or at the sea, is that like at the sea during a storm? to see with
0: a lot of seagulls <laughs> I, I will I would love to see that I will love to see the 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 list of options that you get to set that up for yourself um for do you think I, I was a maybe two three months ago so I think it was Glenn Gabe came out and was talking about how the video carousel Google had started running on desktop the videos were sort of all over the place with commerce queries do you think that's part of the reason why, as Google's trying to use the video to sort of bolster its entity indexing, and it just – it had a gap. It hit a wall somewhere, particularly with commerce sites. Or is yeah. You're... No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean well, to cut you off.
1: So so I've written about this as well, but what what I think happened when Google realized they wanted to do this entity thing, or maybe the reverse order happened. They realized they had this asset. They have this asset. That no one really talks about, where everything is already, where a lot of content is already um, organized by entity indexing, they have Knowledge Graph, but then they also have Google Play.
0: right? And right. Google
1: Play is a bunch of media that is organized by genre, topic, that's searchable by, um, by cast and characters. So that's vertical and lateral relational understanding.
0: Right, that's a great point. And
1: then, like, people- if you search for um, J-Lo in, in Google Play, what are you gonna get? You're gonna get videos, songs that are audio only, maybe she has a book, she definitely has a movie, right. right? And so that's the hierarchy. This is J-Lo, here are her things, but her things are also related vertically and laterally to other things. Right. Albums, whatever.
0: So. Are there areas that where Google, because it's relying on that, has a gap because there's just there's just not that kind of content, for, within the Google Play.
1: Well, so the the funny thing was they launched um, books and audio books, um, but but I think the, I think they la- they launched audio books last year and they launched regular books, I don't know when, but <laughs> it wasn't their first priority. Right. Um. Because they have all this text in the regular search, but the text was organized based on URLs and maybe industry. We know they've talked about having pods within the algorithm, Um, but it's organized definitely linguistically. Right. One language at a time.
0: Okay. So to jump in a little bit of a different direction, perhaps you can help me out with this one. So when I dug into the medic update last August, so there, there was what seemed to be like a, a, a profiling of sites. For example, if a site didn't line up to its core intent profile, let's call it, Google wasn't happy. So for example, you had a, a, an informational site, a site offering, let's say, medical information, but was really running a commerce profile. They had ads, they had buttons. A UX was very much um, an e-commerce kind of user experience. They were, they were trying to push their own products. There was product placement within blog content. It seemed to me that Google was able to identify each each profile for each site. And if for YMYL sites, that was a big problem, right? Because if you're trying to say that my content here is informed and trying to help you and trying to make you a healthier, better person, but really what I'm trying to do is sell this, you know, powder to make your muscles bigger, that can signal okay, is not this content really safe? What's this site's really what's their motive?
1: If a if
0: entity first indexing is a occur- And that's
1: sorry. really hard to index in entity first understanding right but because they're like are you selling something or are you information um and can your information be trusted should we ignore you all together right if right. you have a conflict of interest right
0: yeah that's a big problem i mean do you if if, if google is looking at a site from an entity perspective or a domain from an ent- as an entity perspective is it able to understand okay what this entity is and if it's not doing what this entity is that's a big problem
1: yeah.
0: Awesome. I feel so much better now. No. But is
1: that, is, that, is no, that your theory? Or is that's that that, like that, that
0: was our theory that when we saw for example we saw I don't want to say the name of the site. Because okay. I, I I don't remember Sorry. the top of my head and I don't want to I don't want to slander them. But there was <laughs> there was a bodybuilding website and the the it, it described itself in the meta description as, you know, learn how to do whatever it is to make your muscles great. The the first five to six items on the page were really promotional, self promotional items. Even the content itself was really self promotion. It was a soft sale. And they got slammed. I mean, once, if if you're purely looking at it from a keyword perspective, okay, it, it doesn't make any sense. Okay, they're an informational site. There doesn't seem anything too bad about this. There aren't even so many ads per se on the page. So it wasn't like an ad oh, ad flag, it's an ad issue. But once you start looking at what they're actually doing and how they're really constructing their site and what their content is really about, then it became very clear this site is not really an informative site. They're an e-commerce site.
1: Yeah, and I mean think about um, how many sites there are just from the early days of SEO that might still be around and indexed. Right. that people might have that google might have wanted to exclude like the big thing for so many years was cialis and viagra and there was a lot of soft selling there right. um and there's a lot of legacy sites with lots of links and google wants to exclude those and for sure like think about how bad it would be if um the the knowledge graph got inf- infected with uh, very financially motivated
0: yeah, that'd that would right? be interesting. That would definitely be interesting. Similarly, it, how does it play out with domain authority, with the site's overall authority? If Google can look at a site and analyze, okay, what is this entity? How does it relate to other entities? If it's looking at a domain, not just as a domain, but as an entity, what does that mean for how Google views it from an authority perspective?
1: It's a good question. Thank you. Um, so, for instance, like if I have a muscle-building site – but there are 20,000 other muscle building sites. How would Google know in entity first indexing that I'm the best one? Right. In that, I think that it's probably still gonna be links.
0: Always comes Um, down to links, doesn't it?
1: But but I think Google, I don't think it always comes down to links, (laughs) but I think that's the easy answer. Links still help, Uh, authoritative mentions and external references, even without links or without followed links. So, like, let's say your brand is written up by New York Times, but without a link. Right. Maybe that counts more if lots of people are talking about your brand.
0: That would seem to make a lot of sense. I mean, why throw out those signals?
1: Right. And how do you link? How do you link from the existing entities that they've indexed from the google play right you can't link from a music video exactly you can maybe link from the description
0: description. but
1: google's been trying to get away from links forever so at every chance that they advance themselves think about how would you if you were a googler make links less important
0: right that makes a lot of sense okay so i'm going to switch directions again
1: or wait, oh. I want to reverse. Okay. How would you make links less important, or how would you make links, more importantly, less gameable? And it's hard to game authoritative mention from authoritative sources that are approved right. in Google News and stuff like that.
0: So, Okay, so does mention become more important now than it was? I think so. I think so. I mean, that, that solves that. What was that debate uh, about a month or two ago? If someone, if I, I quote somebody in my, in my article and I don't link to them and just mention them, is that, is that Okay. I guess it's okay now. I
1: mean, it's it's not ideal, but it's alright. It's better than nothing. It's better
0: than nothing, as I mentioned, still works. Um, okay, so i I want to switch to a more practical, not a practical. I don't really want to call this. I'll figure it out later. So it's interesting. Okay, that that this this you mentioned before when you when you started that the 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 timing of all of this and how it took two years for Google to do this and why would it take Google two years to create a mobile first index if it's really just about indexing mobile first? Do you find the timing of Parallel or is it convenient that at the same time as you have the mobile first index coming out, you have all this talk about search as a journey Google's going hyper hyper I don't remember the time um, hyper energetically into user intent and parsing user intent in more powerful ways surf features get filters now, double surf features, hybrid surf features does it all sort of fit into one larger picture yes, awesome. Of
1: course. <laughs> Why, why wouldn't it? Why would they, yeah, sometimes the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, but it's not a good business strategy. Like, they probably at least try. I would
0: hope so. To have
1: directions at every level of the organization that fit well with each other, at least to some degree. But, yeah, the timing... Oh. all of the stuff that you described is coming up into the search results now. Right. Number one, it wasn't there before mobile first indexing. That's true. Everyone's like, oh, this is a surprise. Like, hmm. No, like they've been waiting to put this in, but it was mobile first indexing was a necessary element to know where does it go. Right. So and that's really,
0: is, so it's not just a result of, of machine learning per se, but it's machine learning in the context of a totally different paradigm. a totally different framework.
1: Well, or it's an increased effort and learning like people also ask, right? Or news on the web, or like what is it, popular on the web, or something? Right, like right, that. right. Like what algorithm is that following? How do you
0: get it? Like <laughs> there's so, like forty, there's like forty versions of those. By the way, interesting, what is it? Interesting finds, whatever it is, and another one yeah. like that. I, it's like I, I follow this stuff religiously. I can't even keep track of it. it's it's getting yeah, a little bit ridiculous.
1: Yeah. And so I think, but especially with people also ask and like the included related topics about. That is trying to machine learn of like how far do people have to get down the page to give up, and when they like when they see this, have they given up or like you know I think that the people also ask is an important way to learn what did this query actually mean and what so that we can get you the right answer. But uh, intent is so important in voice only, and this is where Google's been putting all of its money. The AI is so that they can get voice only, so that they can get the answer right on the first try because in voice you only get one try. Right. And then if you don't get it right,
0: there goes that trust factor.
1: Right. And so, but intent. So if you think about it, Google said that soon you're going to basically be, well, uh, reporters outside of Google have have said that soon with Chrome, you're basically going to be forced to be logged in at all times. And that's a cross device login. And like, Why wouldn't they at that point be learning device-specific intent or be ranking uh, content because why would I need to, what would I do with a video ranking if I was searching, if the user was searching from a Google Home? The only thing they could do is say, is there a connected casting device? Would you like to cast this video? Like we have a video of JLo singing this song. Would you like to cast it? But the video. Otherwise, if they don't have a connected casting device in range, they can say, "Would you like us to play it on your phone, maybe?" Right. But then, like, get in the car, Android Auto. That's illegal. They can't <laughs> play video.
0: It's it's amazing that you wouldn't think device matters. I mean, look, even even a feature snippet. A desktop feature snippet shows one URL, and a mobile feature snippet often shows a different URL because what you're looking for on desktop, you're looking for on mobile for the same query might not be the same thing, or it might not be right. this site is optimal for you to be linked to on mobile right. versus desktop. Related questions. You're
1: trying to parse everything, too, into sound bites or bites like audio capable uh, nuggets. Right. right. Rather than.
0: So when is audio coming to the SERP? There has to be some sort of audio SERP feature coming along. I mean, I know you have the uh, the translate or the, um, the, the dictionary box reads the word for you, but there's got to be some sort of audio content coming
1: i agree well and google has said they want to double the number of podcasts right exactly do you know why because podcasts are easy to parse speaker one speaker two in QA format right
0: that's why we're doing this i'm joking (laughs) no that's that's why i started
1: doing it right so uh so i think that i I don't know if audio is going to come to the text only search result it doesn't make sense I, it could, uh, but it really makes sense on a Google Home. So how the question then becomes, how do you send a voice-only signal when you're testing a search result? Like, I want to see, instead of having to sit and talk to your Google Home all day, like, I just want to test it and see, like, are we, because, because with voice-only, we have no insight into, this is the one voice query, but what if I'm number two? Like,
0: <laughs> They should tell you. They should tell you you're this close. You just got to fix a couple of things. You're almost there. It would help right, them.
1: I think that I think that Google might be going the way of uh, I don't know, like Yahoo in its worst part. Oh. They want to host everything. So so instead of going to your site, they can just tell you to upload your your XML feed to your podcast and put it in Google Play. And they'll parse it and host what they want and not host the crap that they don't want. Yeah. And, and just get this, the snippets, the fraggles. Right.
0: They're the, the first going to figure out how to monetize all this first, anyway. And then well,
1: they've monetized it like crazy. Local on uh, voice oh, search? Like, well, they've monetized video like crazy. Right. Oh, you no,
0: know, video is insane. They, they, they started rolling. I don't, I don't know. I'm, okay, I'm not in the States. So I don't know if it's in the States as well. They started rolling in more um, mid-roll ads, and they're making me crazy. Have these, in video? Yeah, it's making me nuts. Yeah. I can't stand yeah. it.
1: because they want you to subscribe to their – just pay them $10 a month, and they go away. Right. They want it to be more annoying. They didn't have the $10 a month option before, so they couldn't be as annoying. Right, right, right. No, now they're very
0: annoying now. It's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not buying the YouTube subscription. I'm not buying YouTube the TV. I'm not buying anything YouTube. YouTube Sports? For no, the Steelers? About, I, Directv I, I mean then I have Directv. I'm like thinking like ten years ago the NFL package. <laughs> I go right to the source. Also, I'm still depressed. So let's not talk about the Steelers. <laughs> We're tied now. We have six rings. Patriots have six rings. It's not a good thing. So my last question is a sort of a follow up to this. Okay, I've always wondered. So if you remember, Google originally talked about doing two indexes, one for desktop, one for mobile, and that made a ton of sense to me because why wouldn't you do that? What's important on desktop is not what's important on mobile. The mobile-first index being applicable to desktop still to me makes absolutely no sense. And I never saw a good answer to this until I came along to entity-first indexing and it all sort of made sense. Do you think that's what happened? Do you think that's why Google stepped back and said, okay, forget this whole idea of a two, two, um, two indexes, one for desktop, one for mobile. And then somehow entity indexing came up as part of this process and they just revamped their plans altogether?
1: Maybe. I mean, for a long, long time now, Google has actually been crawling the web as the smartphone right. um, and they had the desktop crawler and the, the desktop crawler, I guess was their primary crawler. But then they've said for a long time that the mobile smartphone was their primary crawler. So again, like why the, the big to do about mobile first indexing or mobile first crawling, because they said we can go back and, and look, they said that they were crawling a smartphone as far back as. 2014 <laughs> so i see yeah i think entity first indexing is a good solution to that problem i'm not sure how it came about uh, but i don't think it's what you described i think um what was untenable about the mobile and desktop separate indexes per se the mobile caller gets this version of the page and the desktop crawler gets that version of the page, is that it was resource intensive and Google has limited resources. Like, they have lots right. of money, but they still have to be profitable. And crawling duplicate versions of the web and indexing and doing AI separately is just double the work. Right. So so I think that it was more pragmatic um, and less visionary than okay. what you're talking about. But I'm sure that someday, uh, It'll be rewritten to, to be a literary story. I'm, I'm, um, if, if, if
0: history is written by the victors and Google is the victor, so it'll sure it'll be, a, well, it'll, there'll be no story then. There'll be nothing about it, right? Which is actually, I don't understand. Let me, it's kind of a stupid question, I'm going to ask it anyway. Why don't they just come out and say it? Just say, like okay, mobile first indexing is really much more than just mobile first indexation. What do you? What really lose from doing that?
1: So my guess, um, and we're testing this theory in ways that I can't talk to you about.
0: Ooh, top secret. Um,
1: my guess is it's really ripe for abuse. Right. That, okay. That I can just do certain things to say, oh, I'm related to Jennifer Lopez, and then there I am on the JLo knowledge graph related people.
0: But you don't see the resemblance. <laughs> <laughs> That makes a lot of sense actually. I thought you were going to give me some sort of like conspiracy theory of why they're not doing it. Okay. That was a better that was a better answer though not as satisfying.
1: <laughs> well, it's satisfying if you think about all the things that you can test to manipulate it. That's true. Right? And you saw how easy, did you see the thing a couple of weeks ago about how easy it was to manipulate the knowledge graph in the first place?
0: Yeah, that's been going on for years and they finally just fixed it, right? So I I guess it's a, right. I guess if you if you're gonna take that long to fix things, don't let people know there's gonna be a problem first.
1: Right. right? Don't show all your cards <laughs> until you're sure you fixed everything. So so I think that's all there is to that. Um, but you can see. I mean, I wish that I had time to document all of the interviews and stage presentations and whatever of the Googlers um, saying. When you're moved into mobile first indexing or when your site's moved over to the mobile first index, like and then Danny Sullivan saying it's, it's only one index, like <laughs> freaking out, like, OK, so it's only one index, but there's or something like there's something different over there.
0: That would be an amazing book. I would pay a lot of money for a book like that, an actual hard copy. I want a hard copy. Going through everything Google has said over the last ten years and dissecting it line by line and showing how it contradicts over here, what it really meant over here, and how this one would reacted to that one—that would be amazing. Well, you should do I'll that. I'll tell you
1: that when New Search Console came out, um, and I saw that there was an indexing report, I'm like, "Oh, this is a hundred percent." Oh, like, there, there you go. The, the mobile-first indexing version of Search Console. New Search Console is related to mobile first indexing. So that's why they switched it, you think? Altogether? I asked I asked Gary, or actually I wasn't on stage. I got a friend of mine, Marcus, to ask Gary on a stage about this in Amsterdam. And Gary was like, well, you know, and kind of didn't answer <laughs> the question for for a while, and then ended his his synopsis with Essentially, yes, that, that, that's what happened. You know?
0: But I love that. First off, you know, when they start doing the whole circle thing, you know you're right right away. Like, you, don't, you know, I don't need to hear the rest of it. I know I'm right. Thank you very much for the answer.
1: <laughs> but then turned around and, and denied it. So. <laughs> and, and you know what? To their credit, they have very hard jobs. They're probably not giving very clear talking points or clear directions until someone, right. like, until someone gets too close. And then they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs>
0: They, you gotta start playing so there's some fancy footwork to deal with that. I'm not blaming yeah. them. I get it. I get it. Okay, wow. And
1: they have high jobs, just you know.
0: Poor guys. They make our jobs hard too. Right. It's it's yeah. it's all fun. It's all fun. It's it. it makes for great Twitter conversations. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of end this this ta- this time and 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 um conversation about entity-first-indexing. Um, I'll definitely link to all of the, the articles that you wrote on it with their videos and their audio. So no matter how you want to consume this, you should definitely consume this. It'll be in the blog post that harbors this podcast. But before I go, I'm going to play a little game with you. I call it okay, Optimize It or Disavow It. Wait,
1: wait. Before we play the game, sure. you, I feel like in our emails you told me that we were going to talk about fraggles. Can we Can we talk about fraggles, fraggles for a
0: minute? Yeah, yeah, let's talk about fraggles. What do you want to talk okay. about?
1: I don't know, have you read any of the stuff that I've, I've written about Fraggles
0: or... I have not. You, when I
1: say Fraggle, do you know what I'm talking... Are you searching right now? Yes. I can see you.
0: And, and, and the first thing that comes up, obviously, is Fraggle Rock. And I'm frantically searching for Fraggles and I get Fraggle Rock. Thank you, Google. I didn't put it in the Rockin'. I just get Fraggle uh, Rock. Maybe on. someone
1: else wanted to talk to me about Fraggles. No,
0: it was not me. I want to talk about Fraggles. Okay, let's talk about it. Um,
1: okay. So do some kind of search that would pull up Stack Overflow or some Google documentation or something like that. Okay. Or it can some, some uh, images, especially um, what I've been seeing is more and more jump links coming into the search result where Google will have a blue link title tag and then under that it'll say jump to and in the description it'll show like the piece that answers your question. Right. The piece of the page. So it's not the meta description. It's the piece of the page that answers your question. Jumps this is to, in Google's properties? It's not only in Google's properties now.
0: Interesting. Hold on one second. So let's see. Um,
1: and so Fraggle is a word that I made up that takes fragment and handle and put some other Fraggle.
0: Okay. And now remember how I said that um,
1: Google doesn't want to index your whole podcast. Just the good stuff. Right. Understand.
0: So now they can segment um, it out.
1: Yeah, same thing with text, though, um, and answers and stuff like that. It, I think mobile-first indexing is the entity-first indexing, but entities doesn't need URLs. Oh, okay. They can okay. just take fraggles. So now I picture the Google crawler running around the web. Oh, that's
0: interesting. Fraggles. So you're saying the whole way they crawl, the whole the, everything has changed? Yeah. That's the unbelievable. Whole,
1: you know, I mean, they can crawl the same. No, no, I they know crawl, they
0: can, right, but they, but they, they right.
1: save it differently. They might save it with a URL with a location modifier. Interesting. Because it jumps straight to it on the page. And that is very important for API indexing, which they just launched. Database indexing. Right. These things don't necessarily have URLs. They might just have a unique locator in the file so they can get just what they want and index that to the knowledge graph and leave the rest.
0: That's really interesting. Does that does that leave a site predisposed to... It's, it reminds me of what they have... If, if you saw the... Um, an AMP URL instead of a feature snippet. so if Exactly you, that. Okay.
1: That is how they find, like, that's an illustration of, of how they fraggle.
0: okay. I, I'm with you 100% on, now. On the page.
1: They, they highlight, that highlighting is not there from the webmaster.
0: Right, which makes sense why it's an AMP page, because it's, that's Google. It's it much easier to do it with.
1: Right, but so what they do when it's not a Google page in the fraggle is they kind of create a handle in their brain about scrolling, and they scroll straight to it. And so, sometimes there are actual jump links on the page, but they don't have to be. Right.
0: Does that does that mean you should put more jump links into your content?
1: Um, I think jump links are a good way to highlight different pieces of a page. Um, we're okay. testing- can,
0: can I rephrase on, that? Is it more yeah. important to insert a jump link than a header now?
1: I think jump links and headers should go together. Okay. You have a jump link header strategy. That's, that's the interesting. stuff that's ranking the best. But think about—I'm sure you've seen this. Think about the answer carousels yeah. from a Stack Overflow or whatever. Those answers right, are right. all on the same page.
0: Right, right. Uh, right. That's a good point. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Didn't they? We're going to do something else also. There. I don't know if it ever came out—an FAQ feature for the same sort of thing, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Thinkable. FAQ because that's easy to parse and read. Right. It's really easy. But think about—think about, think about um, Google just launched. Google just added. Um, PWAs to to Google Play and lots of PWAs are what a, What other acronym? SPAs, <laughs> which means single page app. Right, Maybe right, it all right. Happens on one URL.
0: That's really interesting. Okay, so wait a second. So does that mean, in theory, that Google doesn't really have to index your entire page? Doesn't have to crawl your entire page? If it's interested, if it finds what it wants for whatever reason, it could take what it wants from one section and just leave the rest behind.
1: And would you know that? Exclude your intro on that sentence, and the the rest is true. I think Google will probably try and crawl your entire page, probably harder than before with the JavaScript rendering and SPAs. They just have to grind through it, right? Get to the end. Um, so they're not necessarily crawling looking for one answer they're just looking for things that look like answers
0: right that's really interesting so that mean more featured snippets are coming our way
1: yes probably I mean, everything's going hosted right because the way that google shows the featured snippet is it's cached in their brain so the more of your content they host and this is shady but i think it's true the more of your content they've listed or actually directly host as media podcast audio video whatever more likely it is to show because they, quote, unquote, are better at understanding it.
0: That's fascinating and a little bit disturbing at the same time. Yes. Wow. That's okay. why
1: I wanted to talk about Fraggles. Oh, <laughs> thank you for bringing recently, that up. recently shared with me, and I'll, I'll send you- um, Can you send me the, the link contest, on this stuff, but, by the way? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm writing a post about Fraggles now, and I'm going to upload a video where I just of a presentation about them. Someone on Twitter recently shared a Google patent. He was like, "Hey, look at this! I found it. Google Patent and Fraggle." Did they really? I guess I haven't read the patent. <laughs> <This happened yesterday.
0: laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Okay, so let's say uh, one last question about this. So, feature snippets with the amp URL um, showing a highlight on the actual page. Let me let me jump back to that because I, re- I mentioned it way too quickly. For people who don't know what that is. So. A couple of weeks ago, Google started to um, – if you had an AMP URL showing up in a feature snippet, if the user clicked on the URL, it didn't go to the top of the page. You jumped down to whatever that content that was in the feature snippet was, and it's highlighted for you. So that makes – does that really change the nature of the feature snippet game? If, that, if Google's going to do that across the board because – you're, you're skipping my content you're skipping whatever I don't know any CTAs that I have any ads that show up on the page on top of the on top of the content that shows up you're definitely not going to read the rest of my article you might read a little bit more perhaps because you know the snippet itself can be explained a little bit but you're not really going to look at my content and say hey wow this guy is really an authority in all things whatever he, you know, he's writing about because I am that's what I do but for me as a content writer that sucks so think
1: about algorithmically that Google might have historically been overfitting to people like you. Overfitting to people sitting in front of a computer all day. Right. Algorithmically preferring that content when not everyone is like you. That's so, definitely true.
0: Not everybody's like me. <laughs>
1: so so most people don't love reading technical stuff. They'd rather hear a conversation about it, right. hear a teacher talking about it. Uh, some people like to read, but not everybody, and it's certainly not not to the degree that what Google ranks is the right result. Most people, like there are different kinds of people who are auditory or visual, and so um, having a video or audio, this is why I did it for my podcast or my, my articles because they're so dang long. Uh, I added the alternate ways of consumption. Right. Because I think that that's going to be a quality signal soon. What I call being a multifaceted business where you ha- like, how hard would it be to fake a podcast, to fake <laughs> videos um, and to fake like audio, like readers or, or summaries that's hard. Right. That's right. Extra work. That's, just, that's
0: like, a great point. Actually. That is very uh, hard to do. It's yeah. impossible and, to a certain extent. And
1: it, like, Similarly, you can do it with AI. I mean, Google's doing it with AMP stories. Have you seen that?
0: Yeah, I love those. I mean, I I love I love that. It's not even <laughs> AMP stories anymore. They're just stories. They're and they. I mean, they're pulling it from all sorts of web pages. Right. This is.
1: That's another example of Fraggles. Right.
0: Oh, that. Oh, that's great. Look at that. I never thought of that. That's brilliant. That makes a lot of sense. By the way, some of them are really off the mark. actually sent them to Danny Sullivan. Like you got you got it you got it. <laughs> Don't, don't check. I mean, I hope they fixed it, but don't look at Bill Cosby's. It's, oh, God. This is like not a it, – it should be less flattering than it is. It's way too flattering for the guy. It's a mess. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, wait. So, a year from now, f- two years from now, five years from now, whatever it is, feature snippets, same kind of win as they are now or no?
1: Bigger.
0: Bigger. Why? I
1: think it's all going to be featured snippets. So let me, the the end, the second part answer to your question is that what Google's trying to do to alleviate their guilt of ripping off your content (laughs) is they're going to say save, like they're going to let the Google Assistant save this for later. Have you seen that in Chrome?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they also have the activity cards also, same sort of thing. You can come back to your search and you can pick up where you left off and then blah, 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 blah. Right.
1: Right. So if you're, let's say you're searching on a Google Home, and a website is the only good result, or you see part of a featured snippet but want to dig in, you can send it to your phone or save it for later.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, that's interesting. That makes that's that would change things a little bit. That's fair. So that's fair compensation, of, sort of, kind of, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to get more host, what I call hosted inclusions, because they're not all position zero now. So number one, right. we talk. Position zero. Let me talk. I talk all the time. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, uh, so position zero has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. So organic position one. Like, what does that even mean? You could be halfway down the page.
0: Right. No. This, you you yeah. wrote about this for us. It's it's a joke. I mean. the there are literally cases where you're you're not above the fold, and you're the number one result. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. So, like, and but SEOs are still still like fighting like hell for that position. Right. And when I say no, 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 like focus on entity first indexing, give Google your content, shake it off, you'll get over it. Like you've got to be in post-suit inclusions because they're now not even just at the top; they're seated throughout. I'm-
0: I'm it's totally really with you. It's
1: inclusions because they can machine learn that and they can see the engagement
0: rates when they host it. Right. I'm, I'm speaking at a conference later this week for technical writers about how, do you, how to leverage search features. And I, I'm saying I say in the presentation, I'm not even talking to you about organic rank. For all your queries, you either have one of either a video box, a, a, related, a related search, or a feature snippet, if not all three. So who cares about where you're ranking organically? Get your It's all how-to stuff, right? How to install I this, how to fix you- that.
1: Blue links are organic. Are like organic rankings are second class citizens now. Yeah. And they're not as beautiful. They're not. They don't have the stars and the pictures. No, definitely not. White. And and the only ones that do are the ones that now have um there I've even seen snippets, feed- imagery like you know the multiple answers for a Stack Overflow. Right. They have that with images.
0: Oh right. Okay. Right. They started the so same thing with uh, I'm sorry. Let me get you off.
1: with images, um, so that you can jump directly to that image, so images might be, and this may be why Google is refocusing and doubling down on alt text. So so those are the only things, but it seems like what Google really wants is to keep you in their universe clicking on their hosted inclusions, and only uh, when there's a hole in their knowledge graph does someone get organic results. And soon enough, they'll say, this is common knowledge, knowledge graph.
0: <laughs> it, it's brilliant in a, in, a, in a, I want to say in a sick way, but in a, in a bizarre way. Because you would think, like, okay, I don't, I don't want to see just one answer. That's the beauty of search. There's so many different options. I can look at this link. I can look at that link. I can look at this link. So what do Google do? No problem. We'll it'll give you this feature and that feature. We'll give you this search feature. And in this search feature, you have this carousel and that carousel. And there takes, there, that takes care of your your result diversity that a user naturally wants in search with its own search features
1: well and google also just recently doubled down on on like like figuring out using ai to figure out what's fake news like what's completely made up so did facebook but google has a force on this as well that's helps us helps their knowledge graph too right
0: i i want to see that in action by the way because if you do if you still do a search for something like i don't know um breaking news you get such garbage back it can't figure – it literally try it's it's ridiculous uh, important news is any they, they're basically doing is taking the the titles that has breaking news in it and putting in kwc tv from i don't know from bumblebee wherever because it has <laughs> it, it has it has the the the, the query in the titles it's, it's it's still a little bit ridiculous i think i'm going to try that right now actually
1: are well, you with- doing it incognito
0: i should be but you generally oh, generally no, speaking I- yes
1: I would do it. Uh, try it. Try it in our tools later and set specific locations because incognito, like it, kind of messes things up when you're actually not passing a, a strong location signal. and Not passing, uh, like you should have a depersonalized login. Okay. I think. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I, I'm not. Sh- I'm probably gonna get hate for this, but I'm not so sure that incognito is a good proxy anymore for what, what is the standard, right?
0: I, I, I don't think so either, at all. I, I see some very weird things going on at my location in incognito. Uh, okay, that was really, really interesting. Thank you so much for bringing that up and definitely send me over the material you write up on Fraggles. You definitely got to include like an image of Fraggle Rock in there somehow.
1: Oh my gosh, I've done a whole Fraggle Rock talk and I won an award for it. Oh,
0: that's amazing. That's amazing, it's so nostalgic.
1: <laughs> not-, not about there's a character that most people have forgotten in Fraggle Rock that is the it's an Oracle trash heap. So it's an all-knowing trash heap named Marjorie, and I'm like, oh my god, it's a power story
0: I'm just curious how I process that as a five-year-old. Take me back now. <laughs> <laughs> that might explain a few things. Okay. So I, I got we're I'm running out of time. I gotta I have to get to this bit that I do. It's called Optimize okay. it or Disavow It. And basically I'm gonna give you two um, either terrible options or two great options, you have to choose between one or the other. So either you're choosing to neglect a really great option or you're choosing to take on a really crappy option. Uh, and this week, we're going to go deeper into one topic, creating content that goes deep into one topic, or creating content that covers multiple topics that are related to your, your initial topic as Cindy Crumb takes on, optimize it, or disavow it.
1: Like the big one, really? So, so like, like the focused one, pick one topic and go deep because everyone's already done the shallow stuff. Like that was quick, Hunter's by the way. King killed us. is <laughs> king killed the web. Um, it's ridiculous. Everyone's, okay. Everyone's so one's written a post about delicious chocolate ice cream. Like, come on, like <laughs> or whatever. Like, so we don't need eight thousand posts on this topic. Like, yes, chocolate is delicious. Thank it you. It is
0: delicious. Wait, so you're saying? <laughs> So you rather go deeper?
1: Yeah, deep. Really because deep. then it can get indexed to the knowledge graph just for you, right? Stuff right. that no one else
0: can write. Yeah, but then you can – okay, so let's take the ice cream example. If I talk about I don't know, ice cream, then I talk about, I don't know, uh, Pringles, honey mustard pretzels, funnel cake. I'm just going to the top of my head here with all my delicious desserts. I can probably go on for an hour. I can get in for related – for people also search for, right? No? Probably not. I mean – or let me ask it this why way.
1: Why would they pick you over any of the other chocolate and honey mustard pretzel and funnel cakes?
0: Because my content's awesome.
1: Right, but it's <laughs> probably not, <laughs> not. I mean, not as awesome as, as a whole expose on wh- why humans like chocolate, right? It's, That's it's probably true. For the same reason. Like, chocolate is awesome on your page for the same reason it's awesome on everyone else's page. Like, and you're, you know, you're, it's just hard without being unique. That's true. To, to be the best.
0: That's definitely it's true. It's
1: easier to be the best at being unique than to be the best of the best of all of everybody. Just do, be the best at, at something small rather than trying to be the best at everything.
0: Be all you can be. Yeah, nice, yeah, I think I, I stole that from the Army. Whoops. I <laughs> took so, <laughs> so, my brothers in the Army accounts. I, I, I have an in. Okay, so I really want to thank you for coming on. I know it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort, and I really do appreciate it. And I hope you come on again sometime. I will
1: come on anytime. Really? I love talking to smart SEOs. Absolutely. And I have so many ideas that I want to write about, but writing for me is this huge process and I, they always end up way too long. Right. So I'm better <laughs> in podcast format. I
0: have the um, same so problem. If you
1: ever need, if you ever need uh, someone to join and chat, I'm, I'm available.
0: I am going to take you up on that. That sounds fantastically awesome. Really <laughs> appreciate it.
1: Thanks very Take much. Take care.
0: And we are back to your regularly scheduled in-search SEO podcast that was beyond stimulating. To totally caught me off guard with the whole Fraggle thing. I am not afraid to admit it, but I'm really glad she brought it up because it was really interesting and it's something I never really thought about before. I really do love chatting this sort of deep SEO theory. So thank you again, Cindy. That was definitely my top three interviews I've ever done. Uh, and it was really a lot of fun and really more importantly insightful let's hit it with a poll question for the week by the way because it relates to what we just heard from cindy so i don't have anyone here to help me with this so i'll read it myself and it won't be as good as kim but i'll, I'll try i'll try okay here we go the poll question for this week is forget over the past year how much do you think search has changed just over the last six months and to what extent and now i will i will repeat the question for for effect Forget over the past year. How much do you think search has changed just over the last six months? And to what extent? I feel like I'm William Shatner, but you get the question, okay? Um, you can find the poll question on the Rink Ranger blog that hosts this podcast. You can find it on the Rink Ranger Twitter account. You can find it on my Twitter account, at uh, Morty Oberstein. We hope you answer the, the poll question of the week so that we can feature your response here on the InSearch SEO podcast, as we're about to do now. Because last week we asked, what's more impactful long-term? A landing page for an essential product or service, or a piece of that highly attractive 10x content? And you all said, what kind of question was that? Obviously, the landing page and the, the, uh, for the product or the service versus the 10x content. And I agree with you. Um, in fact, one of you out there, um, at Jess the BP on Twitter, that's at Jess the BP at J-E-S-S-T-H-E-B-P. She said, all the fantastic content in the world can't help you if your audience can't find the product or service you're trying to sell them. So yeah, that's brilliant. Okay, yes, that makes a good deal of sense. Um, There's another angle I wanted to approach this from, and it has to do with the impact of 10x content. So we normally think, okay, you produce a awesome blog post, let's just say a round number, it gets 10,000 views in a month, two months, whatever it is, okay? A lot of people, let's say a month, they get 10,000 people who hit this blog post that you wrote. Awesome, okay? Now they're going to see the links you have in there, they're going to go to your homepage, they're going to find your product, your services, but out of those 10,000 people, how many of them are A, interested in your product or service to begin with, or B, are willing to now switch from whatever provider of that product or service they are currently using. I guarantee you it's nowhere near 10,000. In other words, the value in 10X content is often the authority, the brand awareness, the the sense that you are now a, a brand player. It is this overriding sense of, okay, you as this brand are an authority and someone I should consider when looking to buy this product or service. I may not be looking now at all. I may I may come back in five years from now and say, hey, you know, I need this product or service. I remember that blog post. Or I'm looking to switch my current provider. Oh, I remember this blog post. I remember this brand now. Versus, okay, that landing page, which, you know, it's an essential product, it's an essential service, but it's certainly not as sexy as 10X content. Okay, how many hits are you, how many visitors are you getting to your page a month? Let's say 100. Okay, but out of those 100, how many are looking for that product or service? How many are saying, you know what, I'm looking to buy this now. Or I'm looking to switch from a current provider to a new provider. Probably near that same 100. So in other words, yeah, 10x content. Wow. Could we look up lovingly and gazingly at the stars and we say 10x content? Oh, my God. It's like It's like seeing the Beatles for the first time. It's beautiful. Okay, but is it really helpful from a conversion perspective. I'm sure it is. is. Am not saying it's not? I'm not saying it's not always. So a landing page geared to a product that people are looking to buy, to looking to get, to looking to purchase, to looking to switch to, even though it may get less visitors, can be far more impactful to your bottom line in the moment. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. Here's the plan. Okay. Let's catch up on some SEO news. Okay. Let's hit the SEO fund send off question and then vamonos. We are done for the day, and on that note, and since Kim is not here, I will be doing the news, so Morty, take it away with the news. Thank you, Morty. I am here to take it away with the news. Uh, the first item up, by the way, I'm not nearly as good at reading the news as Kim is. She is far more superior at many, many things than I am, in fact, most things, uh, one of which includes doing the news on this podcast, so bear with me. I'm, I'm trudging through this, Okay. Okay, the first thing I found for you was YouTube has expanded a test to its Explorer feature. The test shows cards to users, um, with each card reflecting a topic, that, uh, you, a topic that you may enjoy watching videos about. The format, by the way, and this is where, why I picked this article for you, the format seems very similar to the knowledge panel, and it seems as if the knowledge graph has come to YouTube. Uh, number two, the number two news item I have for you while Kim is away and you have to bear listening to me do the news um a test um, has that you know that deep and rich event center that's accessed uh, via rich results showing on on mobile well there was a test showing that rich event result on desktop in other words you 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 type in an event like i don't know concerts for the summer in, in boston okay? you get a whole listing and you you click on one of those events in the markup and in the result and it takes you to a like, whole event super center that was tested on desktop, and that would be fascinatingly cool if it came to desktop um, in, in earnest. Okay, number three. Local SEOs have been reporting some odd behavior inside of Search Console. Profiles that use UTM tracking have seen impressions fall off a cliff. I am not sure since the, the recording of this podcast if that has been fixed or not, but that was happening when I when I sat down to record this podcast, and now I'm stalling because I miss Kim. I can't do this. Okay, the last item and the news agenda for this episode of the InSearch SEO podcast is Google offered a view of its consolidated search console data that it said is coming in March. Okay, specifically, the performance report tests show data for the canonical URL and not the exact URL. So there's that. So if you haven't seen that, I would definitely check that out because Google said this is coming in March. And with that, the news is now over. Thank you for for bearing with me and Kim will be back next week, hopefully. So come back, Kim, please. I I can't do this. Okay, moving on from serious news to less serious fun stuff. This is your weekly fun SEO send-off question. Okay, so at this point, um, Kim is usually here bad for me. Why do we have to do this? Uh, The answer is because I think it's fun. She thinks it's not fun. Either way, here is your question for the week. Are you ready? Of course you're ready. Where does Google shop for pants? I don't know why I thought of that. I don't know why I care. But where does Google shop for pants? And don't ask me why. I said where does Google shop for a shirt or socks? I, I have no idea. I just wrote pants down. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Okay, free association. I mean I I, I could have wrote like, where does Google where does Google shop for a skirt? But I'm not really sure. Is Google a boy? Is it a girl? I don't want to get into any of that. So like pants are sort of like you know everyone wears pants, right? Even my grandmother wears pants. Anyway. I'm probably overthinking this, but I say that Google just borrows pants, which is kind of disgusting. But Google borrows pants, much like it borrows content for, say, a featured snippet. Get it? Huh? that's good. Yeah. By the way, Kim did email me her answer. I'll I'll read it for you. She said, quote, this is from Kim. I think Google has left all those decisions to his or her personal shopper, has complete faith in him. Or her, as Google is very busy. That's Kim's way of saying, "Why are you asking this question, Morty? Can we please move on to something more important instead?" No, because it's the end of the show, Kim. So we can't. So, so thank you for joining us as we complete this episode of the In Search SEO Podcast. Kim, come back next week, please. Come back next week. Hope you're feeling better. Feel better, Kim. Anyway, tune in again next Tuesday for an all-new episode of the In Search SEO Podcast. It's in search because we're all in search of something.